0: Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to Decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Our guest for today's show is Mike Davey, founder of Quadrant Protocol, a blockchain project that allows for easy access, creation, and distribution of data. Mike was a member of the Advanced Mobile Product Strategy Division at Samsung, where he developed go-to-market strategies for cutting-edge technologies created in the Samsung R&D labs. Thereafter, he founded DatastreamX, an online marketplace for real-time data, allowing companies that produce data to easily monetize and distribute it and allowing data consumers to source their data requirements in one place. With the emergence of blockchain technology, Mike sought to further improve what he was trying to do at DatastreamX, and as a result, Quadrant protocol was born. Welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Thanks a lot for having me on.
0: Before we dig into what you're building, could you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and what what you were doing prior to Quadrant?
1: Yeah, sounds sounds good. Actually, uh, your intro is better than I could do it myself. uh, So thanks for that. Um, So yeah, so so going back, uh, my career has always been about uh, commercializing uh, new technology. Um, Back in two thousand five, the mid mid two thousands, I was in China working with uh, three G network equipment. uh, Basically, you know, before the era of uh, smartphones, when we were first starting to uh, build digital networks, Um, I found myself uh, later on two thousand and 10, 11, um, uh, in Samsung uh, in South Korea, uh, commercializing uh, new mobile technology and smartphones. Uh, and then through my te- um, through my tenure there, that uh, um, they pulled me into the the, the, uh, the infrastructure group. They knew my background in three G technology, and so I started working on uh, commercialization of um, uh, technology in networks on the network side. And and so during this era, well, you know, we saw, I was basically from Samsung from I say Galaxy S one to Galaxy S four time we saw a lot of going on in the network. This is when we're going from 3.5G to 4G. And uh, when we started seeing, like, what was LTE? What what were we going to be doing? Um, and a lot of operators were seeing this, like, flood of data. And everybody knew that there was going to be all these connected devices, all these smartphones, connected TVs, smart homes, and such. And they started to under- look at, like, how are they going to monetize this data? What do we do so this data doesn't crush our networks rather than um, – uh, rather, how do we you know, profit from it and create new services from it? And then that's what actually brought me to DataStreamX. So DataStreamX, we launched in 2014. And the whole premise is to help companies uh, monetize their data assets and help companies who are looking for these data feeds uh, to get access uh, to them. And that's sort of the lead up to uh,
0: uh, Quadrant Protocol. Right. And is DataStreamX still a running company? Are you going to still be running it?
1: Oh, yes, for sure. So D- DataStreamX is a data marketplace and transaction platform. And so there's two layers to it. Uh, so if you go on to DataStreamX right now, you know, you can go log in. There's like stuff from Thomson Reuters and um, uh, Singtel's DataSpark and that These companies have um, APIs that you can purchase access to the data feeds. The other side of our business is where we do high-velocity data feeds. So these are big data feeds that um, have a lot greater value. Uh, you know, you're talking about six figures per deal uh, for this type, of, these type of data feeds. And what happened at DatastreamX is in 2017, while we were um, expanding our market, going to a, from a you know a, a product fit stage of the company to a growth uh, a phase prior to Series A, we went and what our buyer groups were asking for more data. So we did a call uh, to all of our um, suppliers said hey look we're looking for these data feeds do you know how we can get these our buyers are looking for these and that's when four companies came to us with almost the exact same data sets uh, you know due to NDAs we couldn't say to the other person that hey by the way we see this other company has almost the same data but what we did do is we asked them where did you get this data from do you have rights to sell it um uh, how was it generated and of course all four companies said yeah it's ours you know we own the rights And that's when our engineer shrieks, like, you know, we have a problem here, like (laughs) that that somebody's not telling the truth. And that's when we started looking for solutions. And that's what brought us to blockchain. Um, So we the original solution, like or the problem from this was we're trying to figure out how we trace the supply chain and blockchain became a very good solution for this. And then, while we were developing the solution at DatastreamX, we realized that that is not just something for DatastreamX. Is that something that any any the protocol can be used by any organizations or a pair of organizations who are looking to transact data? Um, so, as DatastreamX will continue to be a, a company that uh, that uh, transacts and sells data, uh, Quantum Protocol uh, will be a, is, a, is a separate entity under DatastreamX that is a protocol to enable people who, you know, they might want to deal with through DatastreamX if they they want to deal with the marketplace, but it also can be used for companies who want to do direct transactions uh, between each other.
0: Okay. Uh, And in a few words, could you describe what Quadrant Protocol is and what is the problem that you're trying to address? You kind of touched upon it a little bit when you were describing your experience uh, dealing with suppliers uh, at DatastreamX.
1: Yeah. So, so in brief, so when you look at the data economy, uh, when you say you have a buyer and seller. But when it, really, when it really comes down to data, there's always many, many layers of middlemen uh, between. And it's just the nature of data. The, the end buyer does not want to actually go to each data source. So there will always be these aggregators. Just give me an example, like Procter & Gamble will never want to interview every single person in the world on how much toothpaste they bought last week. They don't want to do that. They're going to go to people like that aggregate transaction receipts uh, by country or by region or by type of store, and then they buy this aggregated data. And it takes many layers of middlemen between. And this is what you so there's like all these decentralized data sources that need to be brought together, and that's what Quadrant Protocol does. It maps together these um, decentralized data sets, and enables the buyers to understand the supply chain of data, Uh, and that's the whole premise of. Um, quadrant is to map decentralized data and so we can have a, a, to trace authenticity and provenance of uh, where data is created.
0: And, and how does Quadrant protocol address these problems?
1: Uh, so Quadrant protocol has, there's a few layers. Uh, the first layer and um, what we've already produced in our test now right now is a stamping protocol. So when data is created at the source, what happens is it then is then brought and stamped, <clears throat> excuse me, and that metadata is then sent onto the chain. So if that data is consumed in two minutes or 10 years from now, the buyer can then go and check to see and make sure that that data set is still in its original state. And so if that's step one. Uh, so authentic, uh, It's basically proving the authenticity um, or the provenance of where this data came from. Step two is we'll be having data smart contracts. These contracts will then uh, be able to tie together multiple sources of data uh, for people to either purchase. Uh, or combine data sets to make a new product uh, out of that. And so what we're doing is that everything in the network can then be transparent on where the supply chain is. So things within the network uh, can be traced back to its source. So so I'll give you a clear example here. If a hedge fund's using, um, say, transaction receipt data to predict how many people are buying at Starbucks, and if all of a sudden they have this data set and the regulators want to understand, hey, where did you get this data from? The hedge fund, if they purchase it, uh, that's uh, data comes from uh, Quadrant Protocols Network, they'll be able to say, hey, this is where we got it from, and this is their sources. And it's a public ledger that will enable that.
0: Got it. So essentially, you're a data marketplace with multiple stakeholders who are, I'm presuming, incentivized adequately. Actually, no. We,
1: for Quadrant, we actually uh, specifically don't use the word data marketplace because so Datastream X has a true data marketplace. There, there's buyers and sellers uh, within a, one interface that they can just go purchase. Quadrant uh, protocol is just a protocol for the data transactions. Yes, it can be used by marketplaces, um, but what it's the real purpose is, is just to enable uh, a transaction between um, uh, organizations. So technically buyer A and buyer B can deal directly with each other and there's not really a marketplace setting um, uh, that's required in it. Um, so Quadrant Protocol is just the, the, the tech that enables um, the transactions between, but it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, it, bro- it doesn't like broker the deals. Like for like Datastream X, for example, we have data that comes in, we process it, um, we do a lot of value-added services um, and then take obviously a, a, a larger cut of those deals. Uh, Quadrant Protocol uh, people can, just, uh, can so say you're a company and you want to stamp your data you would just use you just pay a gas fee uh, similar to that of you know, the Ethereum network um, to execute that smart contract. If that makes sense, uh,
0: I'm not so. Sh- I mean, I'm not so sure if I understand that correctly because to me it still mm-hmm. seems like Quadrant Protocol will be a place where um, there are. Data producers. Then there are some stakeholders in the ecosystem who enhance that data, and then data buyers will basically be able to buy that enhanced data. Is that correct? Or
1: yeah, yeah. So with when using the data smart contracts, which are part of the protocol, that then yes, in that type of situation, you 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 would see that. I'll give you an example where we're not we wouldn't be a marketplace um, where they just use the stamping protocol. So say. Um, I'm just trying to think here, uh, quickly the, uh, say you're CNN and you're buying Thompson Reuters, um, uh, uh news, uh, news coming in and you want to verify. So Thomson Reuters, uh, and CNN have a contract. They buy each, uh, each other's data. They're like, you know what? CNN says that we want to have, we want to see the stamp. We want to see on the public blockchain that this article you're sending us hasn't been manipulated between the time that you guys created it to the time that our newscast um, uh, consumes it. So Thomson Reuters, when they create the news, they could stamp the article in Quadrant Protocol. And then whenever CNN then goes to verify the news source, they could actually go back and verify in the chain. Um, so in that situation, it's not that your typical marketplace, like CNN and Thomson Reuters didn't buy data via Quadrant Protocol. But what they did was they used a stamping protocol to prove its authenticity.
0: Got it. Yeah I think I think that was, it, yeah yeah that makes it much clearer I think so you've got different stakeholders in the ecosystem and you've given them interesting names so you've got the nurseries where the data is born and then the pioneers and the elons actually take that data to enhance it to turn that data into products um and then you've got the final consumers could you talk about you know how these different stakeholders are are they incentivized in the Quadrant Protocol to act in the network's benefit overall? Yep. And, does your token, and does your token play a role? Could you talk a little bit about the incentivization mechanism?
1: Yep. So, so the, the first thing is when you look at the different, sta- the different stakeholders in there, nurseries are things that produce data. Uh, so it could be your smartphone, your computer, uh, a website log, a, an IoT sensor, a heart rate monitor. These are where the data is born. Um, The next step is your pioneers who bring all that data together because one data point alone really doesn't have much value. So what you have is that companies then are then combining this. So if it's a a heart rate monitor like the Nike heart rate monitor and and they collect all that data like Strava, they collect all the runner's data uh, or it could be um, Uber who's collecting all aggregated data from their app usage. Those are the pioneers. So the pioneers are collecting from all these different data sources and creating a data product. Um, so MasterCard, for example, will will take all their receipt data and, you know, whenever you swipe your credit card, uh, 19 different processes all produce data. But in the end of the day, MasterCard actually sells aggregated data. So if you wanted to understand how many people bought uh, sporting goods in Singapore, you'd be able to go purchase this. So pioneers are the people who are actually formulating products, making data useful, um, bringing, together, you know, bringing together those stars and making something that, that people want to consume. The next layer of the Elons is when it gets really interesting. This is as we see as, the, as companies develop uh, and the data economy develops, is that we see innovative people creating new solutions. And so, Elons are these people, are are these companies who are basically aggregating or taking data from multiple sources to create new insights. Um, so it could be a, a hedge fund or somebody who's trying to create alpha uh, from data. Uh, it could be an innovation center in a co- in a corporation, or it could be a data scientist or a startup who's just trying to uh, uh, create a new product. Um, so just think, like there's a, a couple of years ago there was a, a boom in credit scoring. Uh, applicate uh, startups. You know, th- these are people who, who are realizing once you start combining data, uh, new powerful products and insights can be made. And so, those are uh, the Elons.
0: And how are they incentivized in the network?
1: Yeah. So, so depending on the so, when you look at uh, the, the 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 nurseries as well as the pioneers, uh, they're usually getting compensated uh, by getting paid for. Uh, their data, uh, so whatever product they create, um, the token can be used as a purchase mechanism and 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 in, in the case of something like uh, a Strava or a Nike where there 's also many uh, sources of data, they can also use a token to compensate um, those individuals or the, the the individual entities or people who are are contributing um, and so when you look at the pi- so when you look at the the pioneers people who create data products they 're getting paid uh, basically they, they get paid for their data um, we 're we, we focus really on the commercial application uh, of data. Uh, and so they're getting compensated there. Elons are interesting because it's twofold. Because Elons are, are interesting because they actually can buy and sell. Uh, so a lot of the times they're on both sides of the equation. Either they're, they're, they're taking data from the network, they're taking data from all these different sources, and they're building something new. They're either building a new product uh, and then it's selling that out or they're um, building services on top of it. Uh, and thirdly, they could also just be using it for their own operations. Um, so their compensation mechanism and how they and how they, um, and how they uh, are incentivized to be in the network is that they're getting access uh, to these data sources that either provide them new revenue
0: uh, or cut operation costs or so forth. And who do you foresee these ELONs to be? Do you think they'll be small companies, startups? you know, existing companies who will be, you know, buying and selling data, enhancing this data?
1: Yeah, so, so the, the great thing is, is that with DataStreamX, we've been in this business for a while now. So we actually, we've, we've formulated our white paper to reflect the reality uh, that we see uh, now. And so with Elon, one of the things we're doing with our token, uh, you actually asked uh, how do people, um, can, what's the purpose of the token? One of the things is what we're doing is we're going to be able to stake for access to data. And so an Elon will be able to stake, okay, we're going to give X amount and that will give them access to certain types of data sets. And where this came from is actually, uh, it actually comes from the flip side of being the, of uh, what can be frustrating in the data economy. So what happens with a lot of companies like innovation centers, like you'll see those in Singapore here where we're based, there's a lot of companies who brought out these innovation centers who really don't quite know yet the value of the data. And same with hedge funds. Hedge funds also are trying, they don't want to go out and purchase data first because they don't know the value that it's going to bring, the alpha it's going to bring. So this can be frustrating to people who are trying to sell data because your sales cycle can be six months and 12 months. Whereas, and on the on the buyer side, the same thing, they don't really don't know how to use this data yet. So they don't want to you know, invest $100,000 or quarter million dollars in data sets. And so with Quadrant Protocol, what we're going to do is we're going to be enabling uh, the access uh, via staking that uh, mechanism uh, so people can get access to it. So when you look at your questions like who are the Elons, Elons are innovation centers. They're large corporations trying to find new solutions uh, via data. They're the companies who put in and hired 10 new data scientists and still don't know, uh, quite know what to do with them. Um, it will also be the hedge funds uh, companies, Uh, These companies, you know, uh, they look to make profit um, uh, investment decisions based on data, Um, you know, with the uh, quantitative trading and that data is becoming more and more and more uh, important. Um, Also, uh, here you see a lot of analytics uh, companies, uh, companies who are uh, 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 taking more data driven approach. We see a lot of organizations over the last four years here evolve and become not data driven at all to very data driven. Um, and then lastly, we also see the Elons as those individual innovators, that those people who want to do a startup um, that need to get access um, with, with the advances in AI and machine learning is that we see a lot of these startups can't really get their feet on the ground yet because they can't get access to data um, com- you know, compared to the, the resources that somewhere like Google or Facebook Uh, that they have um, that you know they have uh, a lot of data to run a lot of experiments whereas um, young startups don't quite have access uh, to these sources
0: and as far as consensus is concerned so i read that it will be a proof of authority consensus mechanism to ensure Mm. scalability excuse me uh scalability of the network uh, along with an external proof of work to ensure security for the benefit of our listeners, could you elaborate a little bit more on how this works?
1: Yeah, so so if if you're familiar with plasma, it's very similar to that uh, right. prior to plasma uh, going out. So we're just we're just using proof of authority. We're a side chain of Ethereum. Uh, we right. anchor into the Ethereum network. Uh, that can change, and the reason why, like, so we, you know, we've been formulating and building our tech since last August and you know if if you've been following the space uh, in the beginning of 2018 to have your own consensus mechanism was the coolest thing ever Um, that everybody was trying to proof of something to 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 be different and um, Raising money off that Um, we are an enterprise focused business Um, We're more practical (laughs) on it Um, And so we were looking for a solution that solved our issues for us building the blocks was not the number one concern of our, our clients and the users they weren't looking for a new way to build a blockchain they're looking for a blockchain to to enable uh, these services um, so that's why I we went with proof of authority and actually, you know in November where people was, were always saying, Hey, why aren 't you making your own consensus mechanism? We actually see a lot of projects now following suit is that you have to really tailor and understand the limitations of blockchain and what it can do uh, and ensure that what you're building is usable and, and can and can deliver the expectations of the users
0: yeah i don't think you have to come up with something new for the sake of coming up with something new which ends up happening a lot in the blockchain space i guess yeah i i see, yeah I, I
1: definitely agree with that we see a lot of these uh consensus mechanisms that I'll always, you know people always ask my opinions on these things and i'll, I'll read through them but i always my first question is always why Like, um, yeah, whenever you look at commercializing new technology, it's one thing great and it's beautiful to have a new technology, but if it doesn't actually solve a pain point for anybody, then it's technology that's just over-engineered. So, you know, that's the approach we take to to building out technology.
0: Yep. And um, so I read something about Guardian nodes as well. Could you talk a little bit about who these nodes are going to be? Yeah. So the guard.
1: So the guardian nodes are are block creators uh, at the beginning. Uh, so DataStreamX and Quadrant Protocol will operate those, um, and then from there, uh, 2019, 2020, we'll look at how we um, um, distribute uh, those. Sure. Uh, once again, the 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 so with that the distribution comes with purpose so we want to ensure before we just distribute for the sake of distribution there's actually a real reason for that um when you and the negative thing uh, on on when you don't have a distributed block creator is that can we go back and reverse this and so that's always something that people will want and that's why we have the anchoring and so what the anchoring does uh it basically uh, it will periodically put in the block, um, uh, the 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 hash of the block uh, on on our on our chain onto an external network, so it always can be verified, and so that way you can't roll back uh, without it being. Could could you talk about anchoring a little bit more? Uh, anchoring is a si- simple mechanism when you take um, a, a block from one chain and then put another. So if you just, lit- you, just you even think of it like Bitcoin and Ethereum, if all of a sudden you take one of Bitcoin's blocks and then anchor that data in Ethereum. Now, if you wanted to roll back both or roll back uh, Bitcoin, not only would you have to roll back the Bitcoin network, you'd also have to roll back Ethereum's because you, you, you put that in there. And so anchoring is just a, a simple mechanism that you can take your block and then put it on multiple chains. And then you just have a public uh, verifiable ledger that, OK, wait a second. At this point in time, this was the state of the block.
0: Got it. Got it. And what does your roadmap look like over the next few months? Any particular uh, things that you're focused on, especially like in, in the next three three to six months?
1: Yeah. So, so right now, it's the main thing is get our main net out. Um, so we're just doing security odds. And that. So the first thing that uh, is in our test net that's already going on is the stamping. Um, so it's the first part of our network. Um, and so we're, we're we are looking between four to six weeks to have that uh, launched. And then from there, in the fall, uh, we'll be working on the data smart contracts and start getting the first ones of those out.
0: Okay. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we may have not covered?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the I'm not sure if your viewers, your listeners are uh, how global or or regional focus in that, but as um, for us, partnerships are also very important. As you mentioned, there's different stakeholders. Um, in, in, the, in our ecosystem. On one side you have um, uh, companies who are creating data and trying to either monetize it. And so there's a lot of projects out there that are you know, doing data marketplaces, monetize your data, monetize personal data, um, uh, own your data. These are actually one uh, group of partners for us that uh, we're always looking to meet more people who can uh, provide more data into the network. Our buyers are always looking for uh, new data sets. On the other side, we have uh, AI companies who are, who are um, creating innovative solutions that require uh, data. We have a few partnerships that we'll be releasing shortly here on this, um, and one of the things that we, we um, uh, discussed or that we released previously is that we've with IMDA, uh, which is a government of Singapore, uh, we partnered w- uh, with them uh, to release an AI and microservice layer on top of the protocol. Uh, so what this will do is we'll enable companies who have cutting edge solutions that want to offer it uh, on top of our data sources uh to do so um so, if there are projects out there blockchain or non blockchain related uh, that are either heavy producers of data or heavy consumers of data, uh, we'd be more than happy uh to discuss uh with them
0: yeah I'm sure you you would be connected to the physical guys, but we had Justin on the show, which is so physical is a location data marketplace based out of Singapore again.
1: Yes, I am very. I've known Justin for years, okay. so uh, okay. I'm sure there'll be some <laughs> uh, some news one day. Uh, uh, there were no. Uh, so Justin, yeah, Justin, uh, we we've known them uh, for years in the, the, the location data space, yeah. okay. uh, from the data stream, next
0: time and beacons in space time. Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, what's the best platform to follow quadrant protocols developments?
1: Yeah, so so the first is always, uh, you can go to quadrantprotocol.com uh, where you'll see the latest updates. Uh, and the next is you have uh, our Medium. Medium's actually a good source. Uh, we, we do uh, post uh, really regularly on there. So uh, medium.com slash quadrantprotocol uh, for all the project uh, updates.
0: All right, I think that's a good note to end this interview. Um, thank you, Mike, for taking the time out to come speak with us. No problem at all. Thanks for your time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on Decrypt.Asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.